This is awesome. If you got your Bible today, pull it out. We're walking through Ephesians. As you know, we're in Ephesians chapter 2 today. Did we dismiss the kids? If you're a kid with us today, uh, we would love for you to go to our classroom back there. We got Pete over there giving me the salute. He's ready to teach you something good, I'm sure. You don't want to be in here, so <laughs> I'm old and boring. That was a joke. I'm not old and boring. I'm young and exciting. <laughs> well, when actually, that's not true. I, I have quite the gray hairs these days, but that's, that's another matter. And I'm gaining a lot of weight. These jeans were so hard to put on today. This is embarrassing. But I was doing the wiggle, and I was... Anyways, my wife was looking at me last night like, what are you doing? Whew. Well, here's the deal. Pastor Randy spoke last week, and when I go to a sermon, when I go to church, I always want to have that one thing that I can take with me, that, that takeaway, the thing that I can take with me into my week to help me walk this thing out that we call the Christian life. Pastor Randy spoke last week, and there was one thing that he said, or that was said, that has kind of just stuck with me all week. I think you might remember it. Uh, go ahead, uh, play the clip. It goes something like this. Appreciate it. Near and far, right? That's what the Apostle Paul talks about. He says that each one of us were far from God. To make his point, remember, the Apostle Paul uses some pretty strong and pretty clear language. He says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. He's talking about all of us as Gentiles. We were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write that one down, even if you're not taking notes. I was without hope and I was without God. Before Jesus came into your life, you existed without hope and without God. It didn't matter how good you were. It didn't matter how kind you were. It didn't matter if you helped old ladies across the street or, sell, or sold um, what are those? Oh, Girl Scout cookies. Even though I appreciate you selling me Girl Scout cookies, that doesn't get you to heaven. It doesn't. Without Jesus, you did not have hope. You did not have God. But Ephesians 2.13, now... In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, much further than Grover ever ran, much further than the Mariners are from winning the World Series. No, you were far, far away. Far, far away. But now you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen. And where there once used to be this wall of hostility that divided the Jew and Gentile. And by the way, there was actually a wall in the temple about four and a half feet high. A barrier that separated that outer court, the court of the Gentiles from that inner court. There were 13 pillars separated equal distance from each other. And there, there was a warning sign in Greek and with some Roman numerals that declared this. This was actually the warning sign. No foreigner is allowed to enter within the balustrade surrounding the sanctuary and the court. Listen to this. Whoever is caught will be personally responsible for his ensuing death. That is a warning sign. But that wall of hostility 
that has been destroyed by Jesus, who is our peace. Verse 15 tells us that Jesus had a wonderful and glorious purpose. Thank you, God, that your son had a purpose, which was to take the Jews and take the Gentiles, destroy that barrier of hostility, instead create in himself one new humanity. Verse 17, that he came and preached peace to you who were far, far away and preached peace to those of you that were near. So he preached the same peace to you that were far, far away Gentiles. All of us, he preached the same peace to those who were near, who were the Jews, right? God's covenant people. He preached the same peace over those two people, which is incredible and very, very good news for us as Gentiles. I hope you understand that. That is good news because before Jesus, as Gentiles, you and I were kind of on the outside looking in. We were, as far as it is, hanging out with God. You know, we weren't the kids that were invited to the Chuck E. Cheese birthday party. No skee-ball for you. No whack-a-mole. We were on the outside looking in. But that all changes with Jesus. Write this down. Jesus changes everything. Verse 18 states, For through Him, through Jesus, we both, Gentile and Jew, have access to the Father by one Spirit. Today we're going to pick up where Randy left off. Now that we have hope, now that we have God, even peace with God, now that we are near to Him, being reconciled back to God through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, now what? Now what? Paul answers that question today in today's passage. But first, bow your heads with me and we're going to pray. Lord, I am so excited today. I love you, Jesus. I love you. Life is so hard sometimes. There's stuff that comes against us, Lord, that just seems to beat us up. This world takes its best shots at us. But I love there's never a time in my life where I cannot be strong in you, Jesus. Even in my weakness, you are made strong. Your grace is sufficient, Lord. I pray that over every person in this room, Lord. This is a tired group. Your spirit come in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Open your Bibles. Chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. Let's put it up on the screen. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. There's a lot to be said in those four verses. But go ahead, leave that slide up. No longer foreigners, no longer strangers. Before Christ, you were a foreigner. Before Christ, you were a stranger. But now, you're a citizen. Do you see that? Now you're a citizen, a citizen of heaven. We talked about that, right? Seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. But not only do you have citizenship, which totally gets me going this morning. I mean, that is really good news, but it gets better. It gets deeper. It goes much more intimate than that. You are a citizen, but you're also a member of God's household. You have access to the father. Did you know that you're in the father, God's family? Did you know that? Like Randy said last week, God's got a picture of you on his refrigerator. You are in God's family. A huge family to be sure, right? One that includes everyone that has ever professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But you are in His family. Romans 8, 16, put it up on the screen. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we say it together, are children of God. We're children of God. We're members of His household. 
Verse 20, build on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. We're saying about Jesus being our cornerstone this morning. That, did anyone recognize the words to the verses? Did it sound familiar to you, but kind of the melody was a little off? Anyone hear that, right? You might recognize it. It comes from a pretty famous hymn. If you know it, sing it with me. My hope is built Then Jesus' blood and right I dare not I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but what? But wholly lean on Jesus' name. Cry it out. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sink. Declare it. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. That's a beautiful song. I love that song and it's the truth. It's not making up anything in that song. That is the truth. That song is communicating that our lives are completely and utterly dependent upon Christ Jesus. That we wholly lean on Jesus' name as the song talks about. So that everything that we have, we depend on him. Everything that we are, we trust in him. He is the cornerstone of our lives, of our families, of this church. Everything that we say and do. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. The cornerstone in masonry is so very important. It's that first stone that is laid down, carefully placed, so crucial because the rest of the building, all of those other stones will be set in reference to it. And praise God that we are a part of a spiritual household that has Jesus as the cornerstone. I personally take comfort in that. See, when Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, that building will never, ever be destroyed. Ever. Ever. That building is of the finest craftsmanship. It is well built. We can depend upon it. We can stand upon the foundation of Jesus. And with Christ in place, the apostles and the prophets, they needed to be correctly aligned with Jesus, right? Which they were by the Holy Spirit. And now all of us, like living stones, like Peter talks about, are being built upon that foundation with each of us adding a part to this great building, each of us connected to Jesus, with Jesus holding it all together. That's what the Bible says, verse 21. In him, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and it rises to become a holy temple of the Lord. All these parts of the building, all of the believers, Christ, in Christ, the Jews and the Gentiles, we are skillfully fitted to each other, joined together in Christ. And this structure rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, both Jewish and Gentile believers. The church, it's all of us together. We are being joined together to create this new, amazing piece of architecture, better than a Frank Lloyd Wright. Joined together to create one organism, one body, one building, rising to become a holy temple. The Greek word Paul uses here for temple, it's, it's nails, which describes this innermost chamber of the temple. This is that special meeting place between God and his people. The place on which the glory of God descended. The place of his presence. But guess what? 
Now, you and I and all believers, we are being built into this holy temple where God's presence resides. This is amazing. This is incredible. This should be blowing our minds. But that's exactly what the Bible again says in verse 22. And in him, in Jesus, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That's incredible. That's amazing. So the goal of this temple The goal of this temple is to be a dwelling place for the Spirit of God, where God's Spirit dwells. Back in the day, Old Testament times, right? Old Testament times, God's glory. It was in that temple, representing God's presence with His people. Today, 2013, God dwells in this new temple, not built by human hands from natural resources and materials. It has been built with living stones. All of us who are believers, starting with the apostles and the prophets, and now all of us. Is that making sense? Are you getting it? All right. So if you profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've repented of your ways, if you surrendered your will to his will, guess what? You're a part of this building. You are. You're a part of the house. Did you know you're a part of the house? You are a part of the place where the Spirit of God dwells. I hope that realization causes a reaction with you, within you. I hope it stirs you up a little bit, gets you to think about that just a little bit. Because once you understand that realization that you are a part of this spiritual household, part of this temple where God's spirit dwells, once you begin to understand your position in Christ, that you're a citizen of God's kingdom, that you're a member of his family, you got his, your picture right on that refrigerator. Your mindset, once you realize that your mindset and your attitude is going to change. Your attitude on how to live this life, how to go about spending your day-to-day-to-day life, it's going to change. I promise you, it will begin to change. I've seen it again and again. Now, I've seen a lot of Christians that profess they're Christians. I've seen no change. They can go to church for 60 years and be the same person. But when people start understanding their true identity in Christ, not what the world says about them, but what God says about them, a transformation begins to take place where how they live, the choices and the decisions that they make, the way they talk, the way they treat others, the way they treat God and the way they treat themselves all begins to be changed, begins to be conformed and submitted to the perfect will of God. Because understanding your identity changes everything. Now, I want to speak specifically to Christians. If you're a Christian here today, this is for you. Listen up. Some of you need to hear what I'm saying this morning. If you're a Christ follower this morning, one, show a little joy. You once were dead, you're now alive. Can we celebrate, please? But two, do not leave here this morning without understanding who you are in Christ. We have spent month after month after month, talking about who you are in Christ, the spiritual blessings that are found in Christ, what you have in Christ, your identity in Christ. And today I want to add this again, write this down. I want to say this, that you are fitted perfectly in Christ, right? I am fitted perfectly in Christ. I'm not talking to the person on your right. I'm not talking to the person on your left. I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you. You are fitted perfectly in Christ. You belong. You're not a misfit. You're not an outcast. You're not a leftover. You're not second class. You are perfectly fitted in Christ. 
Some of you don't think you belong. God made a mistake when he made you. You just don't fit in. Anyone ever feel like they just don't fit in? I felt that way. But in the spiritual building of God, you fit in. You do. In my own life, you know, sometimes I feel like that outdated olive green toilet in the bathroom. Or the shag carpet in the living room. Maybe you feel like the deck that's been falling apart for years. Or maybe, even worse, maybe you're that shed out back where we put all the junk. Right? So maybe you can get that you're a part of this family. You're, you're a part of this building. You're a part of this temple. But you're just the shed out back. You're a worthless part. I know I'm speaking where some of you are living. I know it. But that's a lie from the enemy himself. You fit perfectly in this body. You fit perfectly in the temple. You do. Wasn't always the case. Right? Wasn't always the case. The scripture tells us this morning, you once were an alien, you once were a foreigner to the things of God, without hope, without God. But now you're a citizen of God's kingdom, a member of his household. So I'm going to ask a question. What does someone look like that once was a foreigner or alien? but is now a citizen of God's kingdom, a member of his household, a living stone of his temple. Every one of you should know the answer to that question. What does that person look like? It looks like you. Not the person to your left or right. It looks like you. You don't believe that. You think maybe that'll be true tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow I'll be a part of his family or his household. Fit perfectly into that temple, but not today. Pastor Dan, you don't know what I'm doing. You know all the junk that I got in my life. Not today, maybe tomorrow. That is a lie from the enemy himself. It's today. Every one of us who follows Christ. We were once without hope. We once were without God. But Jesus changed everything. Amen? All right. So to kind of take this point home, and hopefully you can leave here with this point, a takeaway. I I thought it would encourage all of us to hear a couple stories of people that are living out this truth in their daily lives. So I'd like to invite um, up onto the stage uh, Ray Wright and Joe Moore and Gaylene Smith. Would you welcome them with me? every chance I can get to share my story. Do you need the... Yeah. No, I'm good. Uh, my name's Joe. I've been going to this church probably since I started. Uh, we moved here in Melton. And it's been like 10 years. Um, but I have a story. I wrote it down because I tend to be long-winded. I like to... <laughs> my story kind of goes like this, so I'm, I'm just going to read it. I was hopeless and without God. I have always struggled with the battle of fear and depression throughout my life. Around the time of middle school, I started turning to pornography and it quickly grew into an addiction. Junior high and the start of high school were a balancing act of relationships, academics, and music. With the silent issues of addiction, depression, fear, and even self-hate were still present. 
I was basically trying to play God in my life, and I never succeeded at it. It ended badly. During the summer between my junior and senior year of high school, I started falling away from my family, from my church family and myself, even my own identity. I started smoking marijuana, drinking, and got involved in an unwholesome and physically intimate relationship. But as I continued to surround myself with this stuff, I sunk lower and lower into a deep depression, constantly plagued by fear. I started having panic attacks. I thought I was, I was going to die and struggled with obsessive-compulsive and intrusive thoughts. Around this time, I met my, my best friend Nick through working at McDonald's together, and he was definitely a godsend. Yeah. It talks in Proverbs about a friend closer than a brother. That's Nick in my life. Mm. He would sit with me even if I had no words to say and no energy to do anything. I'm so blessed and grateful for him, mm. even now. But back yeah. to my story. <laughs> Around that time, I met Dan. I met with Dan and told him I couldn't do it on my own anymore. I was scared. I thought I was useless and that God was done with me. But Dan told me, Joe, God's not done with you yet. He's got better for you. You just have to keep walking with him. When people tell you it couldn't get worse, they're lying. <laughs> Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. I still hadn't believed that God had forgiven me. Despite growing up in the church all my life, I knew there was a God, but I still wasn't convinced that he loved me. But God started leading me even though I didn't know it was him. If my life was a garden at that time, it was full of weeds, and it was time to let the gardener do his work. So God started weeding out the things in my life that I didn't need. He started with the things with less roots, the drugs and the alcohol. Then he pulled the relationship, which was excruciatingly painful the roots were really deep and that was the moment i hit the lowest of lows the rock bottom i had no security in the things i used to hold on to and it was rough nothing really mattered to me that used to matter to me i just didn't care whenever i tell people about this time in my life i describe it like this the ground underneath me was pulled out and all of the lights were shut off i had to learn to walk with faith when i couldn't even see the next step in front of me I believe God used this emptiness as a blank slate to start his work in me. Time played its course. I graduated high school. I started medication to help with my depression and anxiety. It was a lot of ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. It was, it was a roller coaster ride of my body getting used to the medication. I, I got serious about pursuing a relationship with God, but I still, don't, still didn't know what it was about. I still felt guilty and ashamed for my past. I was still fearful. I wasn't comfortable being me. The medication had helped some, but man-made medicine and science could only go so far. I needed something more. I asked God for something more, something supernatural. I wanted to actually know this Jesus guy that everybody talked about. I'd heard about him and believed in him, but the experience just wasn't real to me. Paul says somewhere in the New Testament, the gospel is a gospel of power and not just words. So I continued to pray and ask God, who is this Jesus guy? It became my sole pursuit in my life. I got to a point where I realized everything else was meaningless, and I didn't want anything else. And then I had an experience. Jesus just became real to me. I understood what he had done for me on the cross, and I, I knew my true identity. I actually met the person of Jesus, and he became my close friend, my Lord and my Savior. I believe that was my experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit because I started understanding more of what I read in the Word. The words jumped off the page. 
And I started caring and having compassion for people that I didn't know. And I started having experiences where I would receive a specific word of knowledge or wisdom for specific people. That's when it got exciting. It was so awesome, I rededicated my life and got baptized, full submersion for the second time. I'll never be the same. I still have junk, I'll be completely honest, but I know he's working on me every day and he's leading me. Now I'm hopeful and with God. That's my story, but I also wanted to share about what he's called me to today and for the future. Um, Because like Paul, I bet you can tell he's my favorite apostle. I covet your prayers. I was planning to attend community college this spring season, but one day after church, God told me it wasn't where he wanted me to go. He wanted me to pour into ministry. I immediately, I mean immediately, canceled my classes for the spring and called Dan. (laughs) We talked, and I talked with some other people, and I decided I was going to attend Life Ministry Institute at Northwest Foursquare Church. It's a two- to three-year program working towards an associate's degree in biblical studies. Things just continue to fall into place. I'm already funded fully for school, which is absolutely amazing. I'm going basically, first of all, because God called me to it, but also just to continue learning and to have credit for the work God has called me to. I'm at an exciting time in my life, but it's also crazy, and I would love prayer for pretty much everything. (laughs) God's called me to ministry and more specifically evangelism. I've been called to share the gospel of Jesus, and I'm going to go where he sends me. I love this kid. It's been so fun to watch this journey. I told him not to make me cry. <laughs> and then I look at his mom and I go, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> Aren't you proud of him? Oh, so proud of you, Joe. So when Dan called me Tuesday night, I don't even think I need this, um, and asked me if I wanted to talk, I was like, uh, that's my response. I, I sing in front of people. I don't like getting up here and talking in front of people. One, because I usually end up crying, and two, because I'm like, stammer a lot, so I have notes, too. But, <laughs> yeah, there, there's a good idea. You could just sing this. So I promised Dan that I would pray about it, and I'd let him know the next day, and I walked into his house on Wednesday, and he's like, well, are you going to talk? I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess I am, because he was obedient to ask me, and I kind of felt I had to be obedient to the call to do it. So here I am. But one of the questions, um, he sent me an email on some topics and things that he was talking about. One of the questions that kept running through my mind was how his being in God's kingdom and his family helped me struggle or helped me through the trials of life. And as I contemplated and prayed about this, there was no answer. It was just all these names that kept coming to mind. And there was Mike and there was Debbie and Catherine and Terry, Pete and Monica. Papa Ray, Dan and Mary, Melissa, these people that I hold so dear to my heart. And I realized that being in the kingdom of God meant that God sent specific people into our lives when we most need them. That's the kingdom of God. And I need to collect my thoughts here. Some of these people I'd known for years. Some of them I kind of knew but didn't know that great. But all of them came with a different purpose, specifically a purpose from God to minister to my life when I most needed it. And there's been a lot of them. Some examples of that. In, recently in 2010, I became ill 
and was struggling with some health issues, and I suspected it was a recurrence of something that had happened to me a couple years before, but it took about six months for the doctors to finally decide that that's what it was. And in the process, I was diagnosed with Barrett's disease, which is a precancerous esophageal thing. And uh, I knew that I needed to quit smoking. It was something that I had to do, but of course I had excuses for 26 years I'd tried, and it was something that I wasn't giving up. I had to give up so many things for other health issues that it was just like I clung to that. And knowing I had to quit, I started having pretty severe anxiety attacks that those had diminished over the years after Mike and I got married and he was kind of my rock and my stable and very calming to my kind of hyperness. And so those subsided, but they all started coming back. And one night I was talking to Terry Juneman at her house and um, she ran and got this Rima card. And she empathized with me and said, you know, I know what it feels like to feel that fear that's so deep that you just can't, it's debilitating. And it was just full of all these verses about how to deal with fear in the Bible. And so I clung to one that I just, and I still to this day, just keep it, keep it, keep it in my heart. And it's Second Timothy 1.7. God has not given me a spirit of fear or anxiety but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And driving around, just wherever, when I'd start having an anxiety attack, this verse would come. And sometimes it was just quiet in my mind, and sometimes I literally was yelling this at the top of my lungs in my car until the anxiety subsided. And I realized that this is an armor. This is what it is to be an armor. And, And God puts that around us, and Satan can't fight against that. And, you know, the anxiety would subside. And a few months later, I was at a barbecue Sunday afternoon at the Herbertsons, and Ray comes up, and he looks at me and says, Young lady, (laughs) I feel like you need to be in service tonight, because we were having a worship service that night, and you need to be there. And I kind of like kindly said, Ray, I don't really do things Sunday evenings because that's kind of my time to collect my thoughts before I have to go to school and teach all week. And that's a very stressful thing. I need to have those Sundays. And he says, no, you need to be there tonight. And he was very adamant. He's like, I just feel like the Lord is going to give you healing and you need to be there. And I kind of was taught that you abide by what your elders tell you to do. So I thought, well, I guess I have to be there. So I told him I'd be here. And then he looked at Mike and he says, you make sure she's there. And he promised. And we came. And we didn't get through the first half of the first verse before the Lord started pulling on my heart. And he wanted me at this altar. And I did not want to be up here. It's like, whatever you need to do, you can do in that chair because I am not moving. I do not want to get up in front of people and lay it out in front of everybody. And he tugged, and he tugged, and I lost, and I was face down at the altar before I knew it. And I swear, the entire church probably heard me just wailing because I was just sobbing, and I laid it out. I am tired of being sick. I am tired of being fearful. I am tired of the anxiety. I am sick of it all. And for the first time, I felt peace in taking communion after five years because I reacted to so many foods, and I couldn't do it. And he let me. And healing started. But it wasn't the healing that I thought Ray was talking about. It wasn't for my food. The healing was my spirit, my mind. And at that moment, my anxiety left me. It was gone. 
and I have not had an attack since. And consequently, because of that, I was also able to go to my acupuncturist, who is a man of God, prays over his patients, just a wonderful man. And I'm like, I need to stop smoking. I have to do this because I'm afraid. I'm so afraid of cancer. And Robert prayed over me. And after six visits, I never looked back. And it's been almost two years now, <clears throat> which is a great thing. After 26 years of fighting it, it's, it's gone. And I just know that if I had not listened to the people that God put there, I would not be where I am. So being a kingdom, part of the kingdom of God is being around these people and it's never being alone because the person's going to be there whether they're telling you to put Harry Potter down and start reading your Bible, lovey Debbie, or just handing you a simple verse or a hug. That's what God sent. And I can't imagine life without that. So. I don't think I can add anything if you said. What I have to say today applies to both Joe and to Gailey. They're what builds your faith. It's people that respond to Christ and his calling. When Jesus called me, I stuttered, I stammered, I... I'd get so embarrassed when I was in front of anybody speaking that I would start crying. And when the Holy Spirit fell on me, he took all that away. And when God called me to the ministry of evangelism, I didn't know where I was going, but I knew what he'd called me to. And the excitement in my life is not going to Ghana or going to Europe, going to England coming here to my own church for the work is here building faith in the saints faith comes by it's, it's a thing hoped for it's not looked at it's not seen you can't feel it you, you, you just step out in it and once you step out in faith the Lord takes care of the rest it may not be a smooth walk, may not be a smooth road, but I'll tell you, it's constant. Two weeks ago, I finished my evangelism class, and the Lord spoke to me and told me I was going back to Ghana, that the people were ready for just using the gifts of the Spirit without boisterousness. So we're going to be speaking on that and holding crusades over there. I'm already booked for a month, and they're looking at the second month. And the exciting part was last Sunday I was just thanking the Lord for what I had and what it was given me. And Joe came up to me after service. And I had a friend once that was called Chuck Spot who went to assemblies down in Puyallup. And he didn't say, if you... Can I go with you? It was, I am going with you. And Joe walked up to me and he says, I want to go to Ghana with you. And I said, not this, not this trip, Joe.
but I'll tell you this, it's going next one. And the reason he's going is because of his heart. He's stepping out in faith. He's not stepping out by what he can see. He doesn't know what he's getting into over there. But he's stepping out in faith, knowing that Jesus is going to be there with him and the Holy Spirit's going to guide him. And the second one is is Gailey. Gailey has built my faith from day one when I was first met her. And many of you in the church have done the same thing in my heart and in my walk with the Lord. And if you think I've been high every time I come into the church now, I've come in pretty broken some days. But because of you, my spirit's been lifted. We minister to each other. We strengthen each other. We build each other. We're family. And that's what we've got to look at, folks. It's not what can I do for myself today. It's what can I do for the person that's got a little bit worse off than I am. Last summer I had cancer. And thank God he took it totally away from me through surgery and whatnot. But he told me, he says, I asked him one day, I said, why'd you do this? I'm a good Christian. I don't need this. I've been doing what you asked me to do. And he says, if you didn't have it, you couldn't minister to those that do have it. And I thank him for that gift. When he's done with me, he's going to take me home. But in the meantime, I'm here, and you've got to live with me. <laughs> and I love my, my friends, my family, my group. John and Kath, uh, Karen are the leaders of our, our small group. Gary's in it. Uh, my sister back there. That small group is just awesome. And Evie's in it. And we we draw from each other. And if you're not in a small group, get in one. And I'll tell you one other thing. When you see a youth in this church walking around, walk up to them and give them a hug because they're the strongest part of this church. And what we are today, us old people, they're going to be tomorrow. And thank God for each and every person in this body. Amen. Amen. Stay here for a second. Would you um, just stretch your hand out to these people? Our God's not dead. He's surely alive. You're moving in your people, Lord. You're stirring our hearts. You're breaking our hearts for what breaks yours. You're turning our eyes off of ourselves and onto others. And I just thank you for each one here, Lord, for Joe and Gaylene and, and Ray. And, and I had the thought when I was sitting there, Lord, that these aren't supermen and women of God. They aren't these superheroes. They're obedient men and women of God that have yielded their lives to the super natural power of God and I thank you for their obedience Lord when the world tells us to go a thousand different ways they have been obedient to your way the only way that brings life 
And I pray a blessing on them, Lord, that they would be encouraged by your spirit and that they would walk in a boldness that only comes by your spirit. And we pray, Lord, for anyone here today that looks at these three up here and wish that they could be like that or, or wish um, that they could um, be used like that by you, God. But I, I pray against that, 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 that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, that each one of us can be used mightily by you, God, as we submit to you and as we're obedient to you, God, and as we yield and say, have your way. I don't even get it. I don't even understand the future. I don't understand the end result. But today I say, have your way. And God, I pray that over this church, anyone that is confused, anyone that is lacking or is, is, is doubting, I, I just pray against that, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, that they could come to you and lay that at your feet and say, Jesus, I have a lot of questions and I'm kind of scared, but I want to be used by you, God. I want to, I want to be, have the feeling of, of acceptance. I want to have the feeling of being a part of a family. I want to have, have the understanding and the assurance in my heart that I'm a part of something bigger than myself part of a spiritual temple, just a part of something, a structure that is bigger than myself. Lord, help my mind, help my spirit, help my heart, help my soul understand that I'm a part of something bigger than myself. Teach us even now by your spirit, sweet spirit, speak to us. Challenge us, Lord, even today that people would not leave here the same, that we would be changed by your spirit, that even now, Lord, a baptism of the spirit, that there would be a declaration from today, Lord, saying, I am yours, you are are mine, here I am, anxiety leave, in the name of Jesus, addiction leave, in the name of Jesus, that gripping fear that keeps us in bed, leave, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, healing, in the name of Jesus, restoration, in the name of Jesus. Power of God on display because of Jesus. We are in you, Jesus, and Jesus, you are in us. The great mystery (laughs) of you. And we accept that today. In your wonderful and mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you give a round of applause one more time?